0: Well, good evening, everybody. How are we doing? Oh, good. Good to have everybody with us uh, tonight, preparing for the snow on Friday. Here we go. So, hey, we're glad you're here. Hey, I want to kick us off by a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump right into the night. Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for each one of these men that are here. Thank you that we get to come and spend some time together. I'm so encouraged by so many of these guys that we've seen week in and week out and to hear the talk around the tables. Lord, thank you. Thank you that there are men who um, are stepping up and desiring more from you, Lord, and to learn more about you, to find other godly community uh, around them. Thank you, uh, Lord, for this time. We pray that all that we say tonight would be pleasing to you and that would help us draw closer to you. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to uh, kind of continue the conversation. We kind of flip things. If you've, if you've kind of been paying attention, every two weeks we talk about something new and we talk about it and we give you all time to talk about it at your tables. And last week, if you were here, you got to hear from Ben Taylor and a couple of our guys, um, some that are in this room that were involved in missions as part of being involved in a church. And you heard about uh, how you can get involved. You can pray, you can give, you can go. That's kind of how we based it on. But it was this whole idea of the importance of you engaging in the local church. And one of those ways was missions. So we're actually going to draw back from that, uh, from that focused view of missions. And tonight we're going to talk about engaging in the church. How do you as men engage in the church and draw those in your sphere of influence, family or friends, coworkers, etc. how do you draw them into the importance of engaging in church? You're engaged in church. You're here tonight. Uh, that's a way that you engage. We want to talk about three particular areas that we think are important that you engage in the church. We're going to talk about worship. We're going to talk about groups, and we're going to talk about serving. Okay? Now, if you've been around Bellevue and if you've sat in some of our classes, what I just gave you sounds like a pretty good commercial for Bellevue Baptist Church about who we are. That is what we say is uh, kind of behind the scenes. This is our strategy. This is what we think we are drawing, people we, that we think the Lord is calling us to draw people into, is to worship, to be part of a group, and to serve in some capacity. But I don't want you to take tonight just as our way of shaming you into doing these things, or just letting you know more about who we are as a church. I want you to think about these, because we these really fit, whether it's Bellevue or any other church, these fit. You need to be involved in worship, you need to have a community that you're connected to in a group, and you need to be serving in some capacity. I became a Christian when I was in ninth grade, and my youth pastor, I'd been in church, I grew up in a a Christian family, I, I was serving in my youth group in some different ways, I was already in a life group, we called it Sunday school, I was already going to worship every week, but in ninth grade I became a follower of Jesus, where I really understood what it meant to follow Jesus, and my youth pastor, his name was Lewis, he came to me and he said, um, hey you need to get involved and really value a group, And so I was in a group with some other ninth grade guys, a guy by the name of Mr. Randall was my leader uh, in my Sunday school class. And I remember going in there with a different mindset. I'm here to learn something today and to be able to apply it in my life the best I could as a ninth grader. And the other thing that he told me at that time, he didn't tell me anything about worship. Uh, He knew I was going, so he didn't tell me anything. I wish I could. It'd be better for this story. But he did say to me um, that I needed to find a place to serve regularly. I look back on that, and I think that's pretty cool, that as a ninth grader, he saw value in telling me I needed to serve in some capacity. So I started running into sound for our Wednesday night um, stuff. I, they, they don't ask me to do that now. Uh, I never excelled at it. I wasn't an expert at it, but I was better than what they didn't have, which was nobody. So I served in that capacity, and I learned and got into it and got to be creative with that and just grow, but I was needed, And I was held accountable to be there, to make sure that the need that needed to be met, that I was there to meet it. And since I was in ninth grade, I've seen that value, obviously, of worshiping also and worshiping the Lord privately and publicly. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that in a little bit. But also the value of serving and being part of a group. It's so funny, as I look at my teenage years, I had a life group leader, Sunday school teacher named John. I had a Sunday school teacher named Mark. He's actually the one that led me to the Lord my ninth grade year when I, we had a student revival in a gym just like this. And I brought three of my lost friends with me. And I remember praying, Lord, help Matt and Brent and Sean get saved. Lord, help them get saved. And then the Lord impressed on me, hey, it's you who needs to be saved. And I walked down that aisle in that gym and went right to my Sunday school teacher, Mark who talked to me more about the Lord. But I had John, I had Mark, and then I had Randall, um, which didn't fit the whole disciple names model. But those are the people that, that invested in me and really helped me see the importance of a group for me at that time of guys that I could do life with, that could hold me accountable. You're gonna hear about these three things tonight, worship, groups, and serving. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to take some time around your table for just a few minutes And I want you to just, let's go ahead and get transparent with one another. When you think about worshiping, worshiping the Lord corporately, that means with other people and in in public way, when you think about worshiping the Lord, when you think about being in a group and all that comes with that, and when you think about serving in some capacity, which one of these, this is going to be on the screen for you, I think, which one of these three is uh, hardest for you? Hardest for you to do? If you're just being honest, which one of these is just hardest for you to do? Hey, I'm selfish. I don't really want to serve others. I want to be served. Maybe that's your answer. But which one of these is hardest for you? Talk about that around your table, and then we're going to jump into worship. All right, we're going to keep moving forward here. We're not going to throw the mic around tonight. Uh, maybe next week we'll be back, or two weeks from now we'll be back to that. But I hope you've spent some time just talking about that around your, your tables, because some of these are hard. I want to talk to you just a little bit, if I can, about What it means to worship the Lord. And two things that I want you to understand as we talk about this there is a personal worship, and then there is a corporate worship that we're talking about. It says in John chapter 4, and this is just a a prime verse about worship, but it says in John chapter 4, verse 23 But a time is coming, and is in fact now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. This is the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. Now, it goes on at the end of this passage. I don't think it's on the screens, but it goes on. I think it's very interesting to talk about that worship um, and and a true believer will take care of widows and orphans in their times of need. So even our worship turns into a time of service to others. But that's what it says when it comes to worship. It also says in Matthew chapter 4, it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So we see that there is a biblical mandate for worshiping. And what, what is worship? It is putting the highest value on something. It's what we put our highest value on. So when we talk about worship, we're talking about worshiping the Lord. We worship him in spirit and truth. And we worship him and serve him only. So like I already said, God calls each of us to worship him and he calls us to worship him corporately and personally. Let's talk about what it, talk, what it looks like to worship him corporately first. I'm gonna run through these pretty quickly because you're smart guys. But let's just talk very practically what does it look like to worship the Lord corporately with other believers this way, it, through music. That's one of the ways that we worship the Lord is through music. We see right here in Ephesians 5, it says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. We worship the Lord through song. And I... I think that it's important that we say that out loud as a group of men, because we get a bad rap that we don't like to sing. Sometimes it's just because it's too high or it's, it's too hard to learn or something like that, but we get a bad rap. A lot of us, a lot of you like to sing, for sure, but we worship the Lord through our song, and I want to encourage you, if you're a dad or a granddad in this room, one of the ways, there's many, but one of the ways that you show your children or your grandchildren that you're engaged in corporate worship is you sing. I know for me, I I think I sit somewhere different just about every week just because of other things that are going on. And I found myself this last week sitting on the very back row. I jumped in from the missions expo that was out there and just sat on the very back row. And it's a different world back there. There's not a lot of singing. There's not as much singing going on back there sometimes as there was up front. But I also found myself sitting in places where it's just, the people are just singing with all their heart. I encourage you, one of the ways that you worship the Lord is not by how good your voice is, but that you sing, that you worship uh, through music. The second thing is this, you worship uh, through God's word. You worship through God's word. You know this, you're part of a church that when we talk about corporate worship, it's gonna be centered on what does the word of God have to say? You want to make sure that you're putting yourself and those around you in an environment where they're hearing from the word of God. This is what it says Uh, In 1 Timothy 4, it says, Until I come, this is Paul talking, until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. He's telling them, hey, while I'm away, and while you're getting together as a body of believers, a church, you make sure that you're putting the attention on the Word of God. We worship God through um, the worship of His Word. And then the last thing is this, we worship through giving. We worship through giving. Um, and uh, y'all know this, uh, but we worship him through how we give back to him for what he has done for us. We know this to be tithing, uh, and this isn't a message on tithing, but that is one of the ways that we worship the Lord. This is what it says in Philippians 4. Again, Paul's talking. He says, I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. He is... He is saying, you got together, you pulled your resources and you supplied all that was needed for the work of the ministry to be done. I'm well supplied, I have all that I need. You worship the Lord through your giving. Once again, I'm not here to lay down anything for you other than to remind you, don't look at your giving, your tithing as just a sacrifice from you. Look at it as an opportunity that you have to give back and to obey, but to give back for all the Lord has done for you. Worship him in this way and see what blessings come your way for sure. So we worship the Lord through um, corporate worship together, but also we worship him personally, right? We're talking about you being engaged in the church. We just talked about that in the terms of the corporate worship time together, but even what you do personally in your worship affects what you do corporately in your worship. So let's talk just a few elements when it comes to your personal worship of the Lord. First of all, we worship the Lord personally through prayer, through prayer. If we really believe that the Lord is all that the Bible says that he is, then we pray to him expecting that we're going to get a word from him and that what he says he will do in his word and what he confirms through our prayer and time of listening to him that he will actually do. I love this quote from Martin Luther. It says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. If you are a follower of Christ and you're going to worship the Lord, then you are going to spend time in prayer to him. I encourage you, worship him through prayer. And the second thing is this, we worship him through Bible study. I'm not gonna harp on this one a long time because Bible study, uh, it also comes in the group aspect that you're gonna hear a little bit about. But we worship him personally through Bible study. This is what it says in Acts chapter 17. It says, now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. Lenica, I'll get it there. For they received the word with great eagerness. Look at this next phrase, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. We are called as believers to be in the word of God, to examine the scriptures. And we worship him by studying the word of God personally. I've, I've told this story so many times, but there, I will just share it very quickly Um, We we have, one of our ministers is always available um, throughout every day, all day to answer the phone, uh, for somebody that has um, a crisis or has a question that they really need to get answered. And we'd, we're on a rotation to do this. I was on this rotation for many years. And every time I was on that rotation, I always got a call during the day um, that they would give to me from the switchboard. And it was, it was from a sweet, sweet lady. And I got to know her. I would be on this rotation about once a month. And I got to know her uh, through phone calls for probably, I don't know, uh, 12 to 14 years and it was always the same thing it was always a scripture that she had a question about and i saw as we developed this relationship over the phone of yes ma'am okay let's look at this passage of scripture and i would open up my bible and get out commentaries and she would ask this question and she was she was going not just verse by verse but word by word through the word of god And no exaggeration, over the course of those 12 to 14 years, she probably still calls. But over the course of those years, I think we went through three books of the Bible. That was it. And she was calling once a day and asking somebody about this. And at first you think, that is crazy. That's a little weird. I'm telling you what, she was examining the scriptures. She wanted to understand everything about them. She was devouring the word of God. You know, in our worship, I'm not telling you that you have to go at that slow of a pace, but maybe for some of us, we we don't need to skim through everything or rush through everything, but instead to truly examine the word of God in our personal worship to see what he has to say to us. So that's that. And then the third one is this. We worship the Lord personally through evangelism. And y'all have heard this verse. I believe that last week, uh, Ben even shared about this, but Acts 1-8, you'll receive power. These were Jesus' last words before he ascended into heaven. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in their Jerusalem, which is where they were, their Judea, which is just outside of the Jerusalem area, in the Samaria, which is the larger part, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, in Memphis, in Tennessee, in the United States, and to the ends of the earth. We are to be the witnesses. We are to be his witnesses. We worship the Lord through evangelism, which is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with others. So you want to be engaged in the church? You worship the Lord, and you worship him personally, and you worship him corporately. So that's the first part. I'm going to take you to this table talk now. I want you to be able to talk about this around your tables. Which area of worship do you want to grow in? Which area of worship do you want to grow in? And hopefully you wrote those down or somebody has a good memory. Uh, But which area of worship do you want to grow in? Share that, and then uh, just a little bit, Derek will be up here.
1: All right, guys. We started out our time this evening talking about worship And now we want to switch gears just for a few minutes. We're talking about worship groups and serve this evening. Typically, before I really got in the group side of church, when I thought about being engaged in the church, I just immediately thought about service. What what ways do you serve within the church? And part of that was just growing up in a pastor's home. I'll just see Jeremy Wilbur over there. We grew up in pastor's homes. I mean, you were just kind of always at the church, you know, there was... Didn't really matter what needed to be done, we were there. We were there every day of the week, and so that's just kind of what I grew up knowing. And so when I thought about church engagement, I really thought about service and how you serve around the church. And Noah's gonna come up and talk about that in a little bit, but I've got this middle portion talking about groups. It's fitting that I do it, since I'm on the groups uh, team here at Bellevue. But was just thinking through, what does it mean and what does it look like, and what are the benefits to us as men of being involved in groups, And so I'm going to read a passage of scripture to you. Before I do, I I want to read this quote to you from Tim Shelton. I asked Tim today, I said, Tim, if you were going to tell somebody, especially men, what are the reasons for being involved in a group, here's what he said, every man needs a how and a who. How will I live the Christian life and who will be there for me? Being in a group answers both of these questions. I thought that was very simply put, but very impactful if you think about it. We need to answer these two questions, how and who? How will I live the Christian life and who will be there for me? So when we think about groups, I want us to look at Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two, and I can't remember what I put on the screen. Is it starting in verse 41, Tony, or is it 42? Starting in verse 41, perfect. Listen to what it says right here. It says, so those who accepted his message were baptized and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. Now just stop right there for just a minute. I want us to just make sure that we grab hold of what's actually happened at Pentecost. Peter stood up, he's preached, in my opinion, probably the second greatest sermon preached, right? Because no one's gonna top the, the, the sermon on the mouth that Jesus preached or probably any of the sermons Jesus preached, so this is probably from the second person, Peter, the greatest sermon ever preached other than Jesus because 3,000, over 3,000 people got saved. I just, I can't imagine You've been here at church when all of a sudden, 20, 30 people walk forward, and you just, it's, it's as if you just feel the spirit of the Lord in that place. You see people go forward. You see people getting saved. You see, you see people surrendering to the ministry. You see people wanting to get baptized, and it's a hallelujah moment. I can't really wrap my mind around what it would have been like to be there on this day, and so the question is, what, what do we do with 3,000? Because really, there's no church staff here. Right, Peter's there. Some of the other guys are there, but there's no church staff. We got Jeff Howard back there who handles everything in TouchPoint, which is our church management software. So when a guest comes to Bellevue, Jeff gets notified, and then he starts notifying other pastors on how we can reach out and encourage these, these people that are guests at our church. Well, Peter didn't have that. He didn't have TouchPoint. So what do you do with these three thousand? We'll look at verse 42. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Notice those four things. Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. Now listen to this. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. Now, make sure you you see that right there. It doesn't say on Sundays or on Saturdays they met together. It says every day, right? It says every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So I want you to think about this. Over 3,000 people get saved. We know right off the bat, 3,000 people aren't going house to house. There's not a house that's gonna hold 3,000 people for dinner, but yet it says every single day they were going house to house and they were eating together. So in my mind, I see these small groups of people that have begun to broke out in all these homes and we begin to see these house churches pop up from all of these people that have gotten saved. Now here's how impactful those groups were to those people. It says in the last verse, every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So I want you to picture this. The gospel's being preached when Peter preaches. 3,000 people get saved. Then all of these people get into small groups. They begin eating together on a daily basis. They begin worshiping together on a daily basis. They begin encouraging each other. They begin holding each other accountable. They're listening to teaching. They're praying with one another. And then the people that were outside of those groups, the people that were not Christians, they started seeing what was going on in all those groups and more people started getting saved. Every day, people were being added for Christ, the power of the group. And so when we think about being engaged in church engagement and we think about being engaged in a group, we got all kinds of groups at Bellevue. For instance, you're in a group right now. You're sitting around a table. You're listening to a little bit of teaching. Then you're talking and discussing around your table. You're praying together throughout the different weeks. And so you're meeting somebody. you're eating a little candy. So I guess we're doing all those things, right? We're hitting all of them just a little bit. Okay, we need to get a meal up in here, but at least we got a little bit of candy. And so we're meeting some of those things. So this is a group. However, Bellevue men will end in just a few weeks. And then we'll have fight for your family. It'll be six weeks of fight for your family on Wednesday nights. And I would encourage you, we're gonna tell you more information on that as it goes, but I would encourage you to find a place that you're gonna go for those six weeks where you can be taught and learn and fellowship with other believers. But what happens after that? Now, a lot of you are in life groups. You're in a men's life group, which Jeff Howard is over those men's life groups. If you're in one of those, praise the Lord. If you're not and you want to get involved, please see Jeff right at at the end of this because I believe we need to be in a group. Some of you are in a married group and you, you may be in married 50s under Tim or married 30s and 40s under me. Some of you may be in married 20s with Colin. Some of you may be in a life group in our young adult ministry. Some of you may be in a life group in our college ministry. But some of you may not be in a group at all. You may not have a discipleship group. You may not have a life group. You may not have a place where you're actually fellowshipping. And that's why we've heard from so many of you as to why this is working on Wednesday nights. The reason it's working is not that Jason and Noah and I know a whole lot of stuff. And not that we're getting up here and teaching for long periods of time. The reason it's working is because you're having fellowship around the table. And as men, we usually go out into our places of work and we have fellowship to a point with other people, but most of the time, those people aren't Christians. And we need this. As a matter of fact, when you think about groups, Jesus was in a group. Jesus called his 12 disciples and he started a discipleship group and for the three years Jesus walked, Jesus was in his ministry part of his life, he lived 33 years, from 30 to 33, he is in a discipleship group. Now he was leading that group, but you think about it, he was there to encourage those guys, pour into those guys, but there were times that he took those guys to the side and he had private conversations with them. He had his 12 and then he had his three closer guys and then he had his one in Peter and you see different conversations and different parts of fellowship that even Jesus had within that group of discipleship. And so even Jesus modeled the fact that each one of us needs a group. Everyone needs a group. It's important. So when we look on being engaged in the church, I would encourage you that if you don't have a group, you need to get in a group. What you're experiencing around this table, these tables, is what we need in our lives as men on a week-in and week-out basis. One of our table hosts came to me a couple weeks ago on a Sunday morning, and he said, hey, our, our table is having such a great time. We know that Bellevue Men's gonna end in a few weeks on Wednesday nights. We would like to continue to meet as a table. Is there any way that we could get a life group room or something where we could meet on Wednesday nights and we could continue this kind of this idea that we're using on Wednesday nights where we could study a little bit, but we could pray over one another and encourage one another and hold each other accountable. And you know what the answer is to that? Absolutely. That's what we're hoping and praying will come out of putting you at tables and not in rows. Because when you're in rows, you listen to a monologue. When you're around a table, you have dialogue. And you discuss, and you ask questions, and you sharpen. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man does another. And so when we think about engagement, service is a part of that, and worship is a part of that. But I would encourage you that being in a group is key to your growth as a believer. It's key to your growth as a man. I'll just put it to you this way. Jason, you teach a life group. You've, You've been doing this a long time. I need it. I don't know about you. And there's times I get discouraged and I've prepared all week and I think no one's even gonna show up and then they show up on Sunday and it just, it refreshes me. And when somebody asks a question or somebody answers a question or someone comes comes up afterwards and says, this is what I'm struggling with and we're able to pray over them, it's life giving to me. My wife and son will board a plane in about 12 hours, 13 hours to go to Kenya and I can't tell you how many guys in my life group, a lot, some of them sitting right over here at this table have called and said, what can we do for you? What can we do for you and your children while your wife and son are out of town? Now, part of that is they know I can't cook and they're, they're worried. <clears throat> and part of them knows uh, I can't do girls' hair and I've got two girls at the house and it's gonna, be, it's gonna be bad, okay? If you've ever watched the YouTube video where the guy takes the vacuum and he sucks all the hair and then he pushes, check that out if you haven't. I've tried it, it doesn't work. Anyways, <clears throat> My wife came in, she said, what are you doing? You have to stay off YouTube. Um, So that doesn't work well. But anyways, they're checking in. I need that in my life. I shared with you in a transparent moment a few weeks ago that I had had some struggles going on, just a discouragement and almost to the point of depression as I was coming out of COVID a couple months ago and how the devil was really beating me up about it. And I will say to you that it's a lot of these guys sitting at this table that the Lord has used to draw me out of that. Now ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit and the word of God, but he's using these guys and other guys in our life group and ladies that are calling my wife and praying over the phone, over our family, and cards that we're getting in the mail saying, your family's been prayed for this week in this way. Can I just make a statement? You may not need that, I do. I need it in a big way. And that's what you get when you get in a group. And so I believe when, <clears throat> when we look here in Acts and we see these churches begin to pop up, these small groups begin to pop up in all these houses, that's what Bellevue wants to provide for you, not to have more numbers, not so we can put a number up there and say, we got this many people in, in life groups or this many people in discipleship groups, but that we could actually live out the great commission. How do we do that? To go into all the world and share the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but how do we get encouraged to do that Because when we're out there in the world, no one else is encouraging us to do that. We get encouraged to do that when we're sitting around a table or we're in a life group room or we're meeting some guys down at IHOP in our discipleship group. And they're saying, man, I'm struggling with the same thing. Let's pray for one another. Let's hold each other accountable. Let's encourage one another. We need that. We need to be encouraged. We live in a world that's not doing that. So where can you find that? You can find that in a group. And if you don't have a group, I would encourage you to get involved in a group and get involved in a group quickly, okay? All right, now here's what we're going to do. A bit of table discussion, but not really. You've got a piece of paper on your on your table. I want you to pull this out and at the top of it says spiritual gifts assessment. There's 21 questions. You answer them between 1 and 4. 1 never, 2 rarely, 3 often and 4 always. It'll take you a few moments to do that. And then at the bottom, you're gonna add those, you're gonna put those scores in down there and you're gonna see which one of these seven spiritual gifts God has gifted you in. You say, why are we doing this? Well, a lot of times when we talk about serving and I'm not gonna steal any of Noah's thunder, but a lot of times people don't serve because they don't think there's a place they can serve. But this is what I would say to you. If you've given your life to Jesus, he has given you a spiritual gift, at least one of them. We read about it in 1 Peter chapter four. He's given you a spiritual gift. So find out what that spiritual gift is and then find a place here at Bellevue that you can utilize that spiritual gift to live out what God's blessed you in. So take a few moments around your table, fill these out, and then share with the guys what your top score is on that assessment. You got just a few minutes to do that and then Noah will come up and talk about serving.
2: All right, we're gonna go ahead and continue. If you are not done, feel free to go ahead and continue while I'm talking. Uh, We're gonna talk this third section about what it means to serve in the church. Jason did a great job talking about the importance of worship and what that means and what that looks like in our life. You know, then we need to get in a group. But then really, the third thing we say at Bellevue that we really need to get involved in if you're going to grow and walk with the Lord is to be able to serve. Uh, One of my favorite verses in the the Bible about serving is this, Galatians 5.13, that says this, "'For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters.'" Only do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. Who here has read the book Pilgrim's Progress at some point? So we, uh, I, I just got a, a book uh, the other day called Little Pilgrim's Progress. It's a retelling of the story written for uh, very young children. And it's a really uh, fun thing for us to read at night with my kids. And as we were reading it just uh, last night really, we were walking through it and, and the, the main character, Christian, says something along the lines of, I know I want to go, I want to go to the celestial city, but the weight on my back is just too heavy. The burden is too heavy. I, it makes me so tired. And ultimately, I, got to, I was thinking about that, that burden that we have when we're not following the Lord, that burden that we have before we come to know the Lord, that the Lord lifts that burden from us. I know for me, I was saved at a young age. I was six years old when I was saved. And so I have very little memory of any kind of burden that I had prior to my salvation. But we understand that before we were saved, we were in chains. We, were, we, we had a burden on our back. We were not able to be free. But the Bible says that when we're saved, that God has removed the burden from us. He has removed us from captivity and given us freedom. And, and Paul is saying here, hey, you have been made free. Do not use that freedom that you have in order just to serve yourself and to seek after your own things. Use the freedom that you have. Use the lack of burden on your back to serve other people. And the greatest example we have of that comes from Jesus himself. He said this in Mark ten, forty-two and following. Jesus called them over and he said to them, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those in high positions act as tyrants over them. But it's not so among you. On the contrary, who want, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant." And whoever wants to be first among you will be slave to all. Then, for even the son of man did not come to be saved, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom to many. We read in Philippians 2, the Bible says that Jesus, even though he was God, he did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself, taking the form of a servant. Jesus set the example for us of coming and serving one another. Dr. Rogers, who was our pastor here before Brother Steve, said this one time. He said, do do you know why we have so many flabby Christians? They come down the aisle of the church, they get baptized, and they come Sunday after Sunday, and they just sit, soak, and sour. They do not exercise. And that's really what we're going to talk about here is when we talk about serving, we're talking about exercising. Uh, Derek had you guys take that spiritual gift test and what, what, uh, what the Lord has given you is unique to you in a lot of ways, but it is up to you to exercise the gift that the Lord has given you. Many of you are familiar with the, the 80-20 rule that essentially says 80% of the consequence is really caused by 20% of the cause. And a lot of times that's unfortunately the way it is in church as well. 20% of the people in the church end up doing 80% of the work that needs to be done. And we see that all over the place, but that's not the way God intended it. That's not the way God designed it. God designed the church for everybody to be part of the body and to contribute. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians twelve fourteen and following. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, is it not for that reason any less part of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you and when you read it it's such a ridiculous word picture that Paul is writing here of saying you know the eye can't talk to the hand and say i don't need you because you can't see because you don't do the same thing as me you're not part of the body and you read it here and it's so ridiculous but then we apply the same thing in the body of christ well i'm not i'm not gifted in this area so maybe maybe i can't serve i can't teach so maybe they don't need me i'm not good at this i can't do this we make so many excuses But God has given each one of you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a believer, God has given you a spiritual gift, and it's your job to discover it and to utilize it. And God has put something unique inside of you, and it's going to be developing over time. You know, this isn't something that God just puts in you, and then it never changes, and you do one thing forever. It's going to be developing for your entire life, but it's available today. And the more you use it, the more it will be developed. So at the, just a little bit ago, you guys took these tests. I'd be curious to know, there are seven options there. Who here scored highest on administration? All right, so we got a very administrative table over there. Who scored highest on exhortation, on encouragement? All right. Who scored highest on giving? All right, if you could see me right after this, I have a, a, a need, I'd, I'd love to love to get met. Just kidding. Who who served highest on mercy? This is not mine, but it's where I need to be. Well, prophecy. We got a few of those. Service. All right, what about teaching? All right, that's awesome. If you look around the room, you see there is a variety of people and there was every single one of these that somebody in the room, several people in the room scored highest on. And it's ultimately your responsibility to take that and to utilize it for the kingdom of God. We have a lot of opportunities. You might say, well, well, I have this gift and I don't know what to do with it. If you want to find a way to serve in just a few minutes when Derek gets back up, he's gonna give you a very practical way that you can find an area to serve. But we have a lot of different areas. We have guest services. If you don't know Nathan Stanfield, he's standing in the back of the room by the soundboard. He oversees all of our guest services. If you can smile, well, let's see. Can you guys smile? Go ahead and smile at me. I see a few people that can't, but all right. Now add a wave to it. Here we go. All right, you can greet people. And if you can greet people, you can serve at the church. Uh, uh, Nathan is always looking for people to, to literally hold doors open and welcome people as they come into the church. And you say, well, that, that's not impactful. It really is, and it's a huge area of service within our church, whether it be somebody at the outside doors or somebody, whether it be at the, the worship center doors and welcoming people when they come to the church. We also have disaster relief. We have guys that go out all the time whenever there is a, a, a big storm, whether it be locally or regionally, and they go and they help chainsaw, with chainsaws and cut down trees and clear uh, debris out of the way. If you like using tools and you like using uh, chainsaws and getting uh, outside and working with that type of stuff, that's an excellent way for you to be able to serve the church and to serve the body. We also have car care ministry. We talked about it here before. If you like working on cars, if you like, uh, driving cars, if you like changing oil, if you like washing cars, anything like that, there's an opportunity for you to serve the widows and single moms of our church by reaching out to them through that community, uh, through that service, and helping with their car care. If uh, I, I work here on the, the media team here at Bellevue. If you like buttons and lights and things that, uh, things that make noises and stuff when you push it, there's a lot of opportunities within the media team. Pete Sarfis over here uh, in this blue shirt. Wave for us, Pete. So Pete uh, serves with us every single week on the media team. When you go to a worship service, for the most part, if you see something on the screen, Pete put it there. Uh, So he runs our our big switcher in our control room. And he is a faithful volunteer, and he's there week after week. And we can't do what we do without Pete and other volunteers just like him in the room. We have several people. Uh, Greg is also a volunteer for us uh, running camera. You, you have tons of opportunities within the media world when it comes to audio, video, lighting, uh, design, social media, website. There's tons of opportunities. And if you are willing to find a place to serve, I can guarantee you that we can find a place to place you and to let you use the gift that God has given you. And not only just the gift, but it, you know, tying your gift with the things that you're interested in. When when God gifts you in a certain area, whether it be with service or with giving or or teaching, and you have some really... Uh, passionate areas where you're really interested in something, we like to pair those up and give you something that you enjoy doing and you're good at, and it helps the body of Christ. So what we wanna do is we're gonna send it to the table, and I want you to ask the question, what's your next step? But I also want you to really think about this. If When you go around the, the, the table, if you would, if you have an area in the church where you are actively serving, go ahead and share that with your table and talk about uh, wh- what you do and why you do it. And then, if there's somebody at your table that isn't really plugged into an area of service, try to recruit them for what you're doing. Maybe bring them alongside you on Sunday, maybe get to uh, introduce them to somebody on the team. And in just a few minutes when we come back, Derek is going to give us some more, more next steps on how you can practically serve and get involved.
1: All right, guys. Hopefully you've maybe identified something that you would be interested in doing or serving. And hey, let me take this opportunity as well Just to remind you, um, a lot of times at Bellevue, because it's such a big place, we oftentimes serve separately from our families. Um, Maybe the husband's serving over here and the wife's serving over here and the kids are doing something else. I would encourage you to find something you can do as a family. And it may be something small. But the bottom line is, I I hope, Kevin... I mean, you've, you've got daughters. I hope that your daughters grow up seeing you and your wife serve. They don't learn that from me or someone else, but, but, they, but they learn it from you. God's entrusted your children to you, and, and you're the one that should be training them, and the church is here to help support that. But I'd encourage you not to always serve separately from your family. Find something, if you're married, find something you can do with your wife. You say, well, I don't want to go work in three-year-olds. You, well, you know what? It's about an hour and 20 minutes once a month. You can do it. I believe in you, okay? Okay. Or have her come greet with you. Or maybe she'll come change the oil in the cars out there with you. I don't know, but find something. Find something you can do with your kids. My oldest son helped me coach my younger son in soccer, and he had a blast. Louis, you've done that with your kids, and it's fun, it's enjoyable, But but the bottom line is they're learning service from you. Okay? So to serve here at Bellevue, there's one thing everybody has to do. They have to fill out a confidential volunteer application. That's so we know how much money you make, okay? No, I'm just kidding. We don't look at that, okay? It's simply a background check because just to be quite frank with you, we want to know who we're putting in rooms. And, and if someone doesn't like that, we're not gonna apologize for that, okay? Because the bottom line is we want to know who's taking care of, I want to know who's taking care of my children. I want to know who's taking care of your children or grandchildren or who's around your spouse or, or whatever. We want to protect our church. And so you've got to fill that out on your roll sheet, if your name's on that roll sheet, for those of you that have one that has been up to date, in other words, you may have filled one out 10 years ago, but it's not up to date anymore, it needs a little bit of work, but if yours is up to date, there's a dot to the right of your name. There's a little dot to the right of everybody's name. If you've got a dot to the right of your name, that means that your confidential volunteer application is up to date. If you don't have a dot, don't be like, well, they've cast me out of the camp, okay? All right, it's it's not like that, okay? You received an email from me at seven o'clock, all right, seven PM. You received an email. When you open that email up, you can click on confidential volunteer application and you can fill that out right there. All right. It doesn't take that long. It's a few minutes. You could do it right now, you could do it later. But I would encourage you if you don't have one of those filled out, because in order to serve in any aspect of the church, you've got to fill this out. Does it make sense? So I wanna encourage you to fill that out. Now, the second thing on there is something that says, let us know where you want to serve. And if you click on that link, it's gonna pull up just a couple questions. It's gonna ask your name, your birthday, email, phone number, and then it's gonna ask where you would like to serve. Would you like to serve in groups? Would you like to serve somewhere else? Are you interested in worship? Are you interested in groups? Are you interested in serving? And then you can type out at the bottom, yes, sir, A paper form, I can take care of that for you. That's not a problem. If you need a paper form, we can certainly take care of that for you. If you wanna fill it out tonight and you don't have a way to do that, we got two guys right here. Nathan, Josiah, can y'all hold your hands up for us? Right there at those bistro tables. If you'll go right back there, they have this form pulled up on an iPad. You can fill that out. Won't take you just a couple minutes. And then we'll get that to whatever area of the church that is, and they'll reach out to you and begin that conversation of how you can begin serving. Here's the bottom line. When I read through the New Testament and I see all the characteristics of Jesus, service always rises to the top, always. I don't think we're ever more like Jesus than when we serve. So you know what? You say, well, I don't have a lot of talents, that's okay. Well, I'm not a good speaker, you don't have to be. Well, I don't know how to change oil, you don't have to. There's some place to serve. You can find a place to serve. So I just wanna encourage you, fill out that confidential volunteer application. If that's not up to date, we'll get that taken care of, care of for you, no problem. And then if you don't have a place that you serve or you wanna serve somewhere else or serve in another way or you're interested in worship and learning more about that or you're not involved in a group and you say, you know what, we're gonna give Life Group a, a shot. Just click, uh, click uh, groups and we'll reach out to you about that. If you have that on your phone and you want to fill it out there, great. If you need help, you can go right back there. See Josiah and Nathan. They would love to get that filled out for you and help you navigate through that. If you need a paper form, I can get that taken care of as well. Well, you know what? It's 7.42, so why don't I just close us in prayer and we'll be on our way. Oh, thank you. I knew it. I told you I'd forget. Uh, Jeff told me 20 minutes ago, then he told me right before I came up here, and I said, if I forget, wave at me. So I forgot three times in 20 minutes. We don't have class next week, all right? We're off for spring break, all right? So y'all go hit the beach or wherever you're going for spring break, okay? Enjoy it, have fun, but don't come up here because we will not be here, okay? We will start back the very next Wednesday. So no class next Wednesday. The following Wednesday after that, we'll meet back right here, all right? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you love us. Lord, I thank you for, Lord, just hearing from Jason and Noah and your word, Lord, about, worship groups and serve. Lord, it is at the core of what we do here at Bellevue. So I pray for each one of the men in these rooms and their families. Lord, that they would worship you with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, that they would get involved in a group where they can be encouraged and challenged and taught and have fellowship and accountability. And then, Lord, they will take what they've learned in those places and they will go into the rest of the church and outside the walls of the church and they will serve people like you did. Lord, I pray you'll bless these men. I pray you'll take them home safely tonight. And Lord, we just wanna say we love you and we pray all this in your precious name, amen.